There's uh, a few sheets here yet. If anyone needs one that you don't have one, feel free to just come up at this point and uh, help yourself. I'll leave it over here. Um, Proverbs 21. Oh, thank you. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord as the rivers of water. He turneth it whithersoever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. To do justice in judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but of every one that is hasty, only to want, that is, to lack. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. The way of man is froward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. Thus far, reading God's word, let's pray together. Gracious God, as we look for a final time this morning in this class at raising our children to be gatekeepers, we pray for wisdom and guidance. We pray for all the kinds of things we heard about tonight, or rather this morning, with regard to our own children, that we would not only not defraud from them, but that our lives would be open epistles of thy grace and that our lives of stewardship and giving would enable them to see the importance of lives of stewardship and giving to our neighbor, and not only to our neighbor, but to society as a whole and to the well-being of a people and a nation as well as the church. So bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we've been looking at different convictions we need to cultivate in our children, and we got down to the last four. And you'll see on the outline, the first one of those, which is E, is the need to understand the times. The need to understand the times. So, we have to be, as parents, not consumed with the days and the time in which we live, and we don't have to know all the details, but we need to be like the sons of Issachar. We need to understand the times in which we live and understand our children and the world and culture in which they live, which is very different sometimes from ours if we're a bit older. So... We need to be able to prepare them to be gatekeepers to understand the times and then talk about the times with them. Talk about the culture with them. So what does that mean practically? Well, it means when you're 
around the uh, dinner table especially. That's a wonderful time. We have all your children around you. Um, one night you're going to talk about cancel culture. Another time, another night you're going to talk about wokeism. Another night you're going to talk about how can we influence society for good. But you're going to teach your children consciously, directly, but also implicitly with your walk of life to understand the times. And, and that's, that's critical. Now, it's easy to use those treasured opportunities like around the dinner table to just have small talk. And small talk is good. Nothing wrong with small talk. But my, my wife was really good at this. She'd, she'd often say to me, before supper, let's have some really meaningful talk around supper time. So, okay, yeah, okay. Let's ask the kids questions about their day. Let's talk about something, um, something new, something in more depth. And uh, to have that happy family time around the dinner table in helping children understand how society functions and what we're to do and what morality is in, in, in a given situation is, is so important. And not only that, but even other things like uh, how to handle finances. I'm thinking now of the Eighth Commandment um, and what to do and what, what to give. And, um, you know, we, we had our children at 5% of all money they made. We said... Put that away to buy yourself good books. And that was part of their budget, all of them. Oh, well, maybe, we'll, maybe it's time to sit down and around supper table say, do you know why? Do you know why we, 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 we want you to put 5% of your money away for, for good books? Well, we want you to be learning. We want you to be growing about spiritual truth, but also about understanding the times. So, this is a point that easily falls by the wayside, is what I'm saying. And, hey, having kids is a busy life, right? And it's so easy just to have supper and have small talk. And, but, but try, as husband and wife, try to steer the conversation to meaningful subjects and to, to opportunities for growth as you sit around the dinner table. Um, Esther is a perfect example here. She um, was a model for understanding and engaging the culture she was in. We looked at her, the first one of these three lectures, in a bit more detail. But I just want to stress the point here is that the Bible says... Who knows whether you are come, Esther, for such a time as this? But Esther wasn't just somebody from outside the culture and just got plunked down into it. In many regards, she was the product of her culture. She was reared by her cousin in the land of Persia. As an exile from the land of Israel, she had to face the harsh realities of what exilic life looked like. At a certain age, she was forced against her will to enter the harem of the king, probably against her will from 
That seems to be implied. And there she had to undergo a year of beautification. She, she knew the pressure. She had to face a kind of, we would call it today, I guess, a beauty pageant. She had to be a contestant in that. She was paraded before the king for a night, hoping to be the chosen one in one way so that she could protect the Jewish people. She was a gatekeeper. And as Providence had it, she was chosen to be the king's wife. And as a Jew, God used her to save the entire Jewish people, amazing, from death and destruction. So that it was Haman that got hung rather than all the Jews killed. Who knoweth whether our children are come for such a time as this? It would be great, wouldn't it, to see your children as you get older, gatekeepers in different positions, giving of their lives for the well-being of the church and of society and promoting the things of the kingdom of God. So talk with your children about contemporary events. Be informed about the latest headlines. Now, when your children get married, you lose a lot of these opportunities. Uh, you see them and you talk about things, but I can't imagine, I can't imagine having your children, especially teenagers, around the table and not have talked at least once or twice about the whole situation, say for right now in Israel and Gaza, and, and uh, to, to explain to them how there can be such various viewpoints on this whole situation and how corrupt and wicked and blasphemous and barbaric this attack on Israel was. And talk about what must Israel do Should they really pause right now so that the Hamas can get their forces together again? And they have openly said they're going to come right back as soon as they have a chance and continue the job because they believe Israel cannot exist. What do you do with that morally? And how do you get, how do you get the Palestinians to the citizens who are not Hamas people? How do you get them to escape? You talk about these things around the dinner table. See, not just real spiritual things, but also cultural things, political things. Now, don't let the political swallow up the spiritual, but in a balanced way. Let them understand the times so that kids don't just grow up and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter who you vote for. It doesn't matter uh, what you do. It doesn't matter. Just as long as I get my wife and my kids, and we have our own little world. We don't care what's going on. No, no, no. You want your children to be gatekeepers. All right, number, well, F on the outline. The courage to be the needed change. The courage to be the needed change. One thing we said to our children over and over again especially I said it to my son, he was the firstborn, don't be led so much as be a leader. Be a leader among your peer group. 
So there were a few kids that were sort of outside the inner group. And then there was a few boys that were more like kind of a clique. That happens in all kinds of societies, all kinds of things, unfortunately. So what do you do with that? Well, you tell your children, look, don't just belong to that cool group. You reach out. You reach out to those who are outside of the inner circle in your class. And you show them the love of Christ. You be kind to them. And you include them. And if you get mocked for doing that, so be it. You be the needed change. So that all the boys in the class are accepted. You see? So, there are a thousand examples of this, of course. But the point is, what Francis Schaeffer once said, the only way to affect biblical change is for Christians to infiltrate the academia, the political arena, the publishing houses, and all the other gates of our society. That is, non-sinful gates. You don't want to redeem sinful areas of society because there's nothing redeemable about them. But you do want to redeem the areas of society that can be redeemed. You do want to speak out into those areas. Or where there is sin, you do want to speak out against sin. And you teach your children to be that change, to be that voice, also as they go out to college. I found it very interesting. Um, our son came home one day from college and said, and this is a business school. But, of course, a couple of the business teachers are all excited about the homosexual agenda. So one day they bring in uh, two homosexuals who claim they were married. And, of course, we know that in God's sight they're not married because it's not a marriage, even though society now seems to sanction it. And they're talking about how wonderful their marriage is. What do you do? My son stood up and he spoke into that situation and said it was, it's an unbiblical relationship. And here's why. And he gave some reasons. Actually, he knew. He knew that this was coming because the teacher told him ahead of time. So he actually came over to me and said, Let's, can, can you help me? I got to get some reasons down. I got to speak into this situation. I said, great, okay. So I helped, I, I helped uh, coach him a little bit. Now, here's the interesting thing. The teacher looks at him and says, well, you know, just made him look like, feel like, are you kidding me? You still believe that old-fashioned way? But he didn't, he didn't give up. He still spoke back into it. But he was absolutely convinced he was the only one. Right? No one else spoke up. Well, as soon as he gets out of, the, out of the classroom, he's surrounded by other kids who said, thank you so much for speaking up. We, 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 we wanted to, but we didn't dare. You see, there's so much of that going on in our society today. So much of it. There's still a kind of silent majority in this nation that, that wants to see some kind of morality in our society. 
very unlike Europe, where it's so far gone now that people who need to be the needed change are truly the minority around every, every bend of the road. We as Christians need to train our children to be the needed change. You've been following the whole debacle with the Republicans and Kevin McCarthy being excised as, as a leader of House Representatives. And at the end of the day, were you amazed that there was someone that could bring it all together and there was a unanimous vote for someone and that that someone was a conservative Christian? I mean, that's amazing. Have you heard this man talk? Have you talked with your children around the table about that? We've got to thank the Lord that there's a man who dares to stand up for the truth, who's been harassed because he's a Christian. From all quarters, people have been speaking against him, and he says, well, I expect that. I'm, I'm, I'm a leader. I expect to be harassed for my Christianity, but it's just, it's just what I believe. What a blessing. Or do we just not even talk to our children about these things? So they don't even know it. But they don't care. No. Lead, my son, my daughter. Lead. Speak up for the truth. Don't do it violently. Don't do it vitriolically. But do it with conviction. Do it with conviction. Be courageous. And remember this, dear children. This is the way to talk to your children. Ultimately, it's not going to be politics from top down that's going to change this nation. It can prevent a lot of evil, and it's very significant who's in political leadership, hugely significant. But ultimately, what this nation needs is many, many more conversions, many more Christians daring to speak up, daring to be gatekeepers. It's the gospel that will bring the lasting change. Just like we heard this morning, Zacchaeus. It was the gospel that changed him. So, though the likelihood, humanly speaking, is very small that the United States will ever go back to being a so-called, I, I use the word lightly, loosely, Christian nation. Still, we are called to be a significant remnant in this land. That God will bless the land for the remnant in the land. And so we need to tell our children that as well. Don't expect to be in the majority in your convictions. But be faithful, be courageous gatekeepers wherever you go. Don't be ashamed to stand up for the truth. And then G... The awareness of undergirding world views. The awareness of undergirding world views. So it's important. It's part of understanding the times. It's a sub-point really of that, I guess. But we live in a world of so many ideas, so many opinions, so many perspectives. And every one of those perspectives flows out of an individual's worldview. Isn't that true? How you view the world 
determines what you believe. So in this sense, we are called to be gatekeepers, no matter what our profession. We don't have to be politicians or journalists or economists but, uh, or economists, but the view a person has of God, of man, of the world, of the Bible, these ideas, opinions, and perspectives and the worldview that we gather from them and exercise from them is always, always a larger picture than meets the eye. You see, we often say, well, I can't understand these people with these strange, odd ideas and these crazy things like, you know, I, I was in the airport last week, and uh, this is a true story. I walked in the bathroom, and there is a lady washing her hands. She had just got done going to the bathroom. I thought, oh, I, I walked in the woman's bathroom. So I walk out, really embarrassed, and I turn around and look up. Men. I go, wait a minute. So I'm like, I'm confused. And there's a lady standing beside me, which I think was the mother of the young lady in the bathroom. She goes, you got the right bathroom. So I go back in, and, and, and the lady walks out beside me, just feeling, young lady, just like perfectly normal. I walk in the bathroom, I think, this is absolutely crazy. Do you understand? This is insane. This is so contrary to the Word of God. In Europe, of course, it's, it's different, but... Um, Whenever you go in the bathroom, there's always somebody cleaning, and 90% of the time it's a woman cleaning, and she doesn't pay any attention to you, but they've had women cleaning in the bathrooms for 20 years. But what's the worldview behind this? What's the worldview that the two sexes are like one, and you can pick your sex? So you need to talk with your kids about these worldviews of people. You see, and how to evangelize people when they do believe in the Bible but still are catering to the worldviews of our day. That's a wonderful opportunity. But how do you evangelize someone who doesn't believe the Bible, thinks it's all a bunch of fables? You've got to use a different approach. You've got to talk about those things with your kids. So let them be aware of the undergirding worldviews of the people they meet so that they can be more effective gatekeepers in relating to people. And then H, the calling to love our enemies. I put this last because I think, I think this is extremely important. When we evangelize people or when we seek to be gatekeeper, whether it's a, a street preacher like Scott or whether we're doing it one-on-one -on -one in an airplane or wherever we are going, We've got to love the people we're talking to. We've got to love them. We've got to love their souls. And you've got to teach that to your children. Sometimes there's Christians today, and they try to engage people. Good. They try to evangelize people. Good. But they do it with a tone of, tone of voice and an attitude that is 
full of animosity. And it rubs people the wrong way. I was in an airport about a year ago, and there was a man standing outside the airport handing out tracts, right? I, I, I believe in handing out tracts, but I've increasingly come to the position that I hope I'm not wrong here. But it's better to try to engage people in a, few, in a little conversation and then have a track in your pocket that you hand them after you've shown some interest in them. But I watched this man hand out tracks to total strangers without one word. He didn't say a word to them, just hand them out tracks. And I just watched the people walk away. They looked at, they looked at the telling, threw it on the ground, threw it in the garbage. Now, did a few of them take it and read it? Yes, probably. But is that the best way to reach people? Just kind of hand them something and don't say a word to them. I think we live in a culture today very different from the South African culture where I know a man who did this. He handed out booklets. He said 95% of the people would take them and very few would throw them away. Very different from our culture. So we got to know the culture you're working in and say, what's the most effective way to, to reach people in that culture? And what I find it, when I try to evangelize people, is my first goal, my first goal is to find out who they are, what they do for work, uh, are they married, do they have children, uh, and, and be interested in them. And spend 10 minutes or so getting to know them so that you not only come to like them, but they come to like you. And they think, wow, this guy really cares about me, Right? And then they start asking you a few questions. If you ask enough questions to somebody else, they start asking you a few. And, and before you know it, you're talking about something worthwhile. And then you've earned the right, you see, to say to them, oh, what church do you go to? Oh, I don't go to church. Oh, okay. Well, what do you believe? What, what do you think life is all about? And they're very open. Now, uh, one time I sat down next to a lady in a, in, in a plane. I may have told you this story some years ago, but it, this was quite a while ago. But she had hair on top of her head that was about this high. I don't know how she managed to make it so high. But then she had a big swoop of hair that came down, and she it covered one eye. So I, I could only look at one eye the whole time. And I don't know how you live that way. But... I realized she was from a different culture, and as soon as she found out I was a Christian, oh, she said, uh, I'm really angry at you and your people. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, your God is killing my people. This was way back in the day when AIDS was very prevalent. So that I realized right away, okay, okay, she's a lesbian, and she's angry with God. So I, I asked her, I said, well, that are, so are you, are you angry with God? She said, absolutely I am. He has no right to kill all my people like this. Uh, yes, I'm a lesbian. She's just put out there. Well, I took a little bit of a breath at that time because I, I hadn't met very many homosexuals at that point in my life, more, more later. But I tried I really did love her soul, and I tried to talk with her and reason with her about how wonderful it is to live 
on the principles of Scripture and that God is actually a very good God. And when you walk by His rule book, you'll find His grace and find much joy. And I told her about how God came into my own life and she was really listening and changed me completely and uh, I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world and so on and so on. And then she looked at me as, as this was as the plane was landing now and as we were standing up, she looked at me and she said, I can see how Christianity works for you, but it will never work for me. And by that time, it was just time to go. She was walking out and I just said to her, try it, try him. That's the way I left her. But I never yelled at her. I never said, oh, you're a homosexual or something, you know, very negative. But I did say to her, you know, God has designed a beautiful creation and a beautiful concept of marriage with one man and one woman. That's, that's, that's his order. When we walk in the lines of his order, you see, the Bible says there will be great joy. The man who fears the Lord will have great joy in his home, in his family. I, I, I spoke to her like that uh, after I showed interest in her. So she, we went back and forth. She challenged me. I challenged her. But it wasn't in a tone of animosity. I don't think that's helpful. But it is in a tone of truth. And you are sincere. And you are earnest. And you are loving. That's what I'm saying you need to teach, teach your children. All right, conclusion. Encouraging children then to enter the public sphere in, in, in a vocation or just in their daily life in terms of being gatekeepers um, is challenging to teach it. Some ways it's worrisome to have them in those environments Sometimes I wonder, should anybody send their kids to college? The teachers are just pouring poison, 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 poison into their minds. Uh, certainly, college, university isn't for everybody. And it's not, it's not for very tender children who, who don't have the courage to stand up, uh, except maybe in rare situations. But in my, in my opinion... But there are principles, there are principles that we must labor to teach our children, to prepare them for difficult, intense, and may I say the tempting nature of many of the vocations that they could enter in this world. But despite the often dangerous climates of these vocations, it's still important to raise them in such a way that you're seeking to maximize their gifts, to train them and then maximize those gifts for God's glory so that they grow up concerned about the nation, concerned about the culture, concerned about the neighbors next door, concerned that people would find the Lord Jesus Christ and hopefully have found Him, of course, themselves. And so all of this sets a milieu, it sets a, it sets a culture within your own home culture that you care about family, you care about one another, you care about the church, you care about society, you care about the nation, you care about the world. 
so that children grow up not saying, like I read at the very first of these three lectures, like Cain, am I my brother's keeper? Just leave me, my little family, alone in a corner and we'll go our own way, never mind what the world does. No. We are called to be salt and we are called to be light in the world. So we want to see the gospel have freedom and access across our culture. We want to remove ungodly legislation politically. We want to speak out against unbiblical, wicked ideologies. We want to withstand principles that would stand in the way of God's sovereign truth. Now, having done all of that with shortcomings, oh, to be sure, but striving to do all of this, ultimately, we send our children, now teenagers, we send them out into the world trusting not only that God will work in them or has worked in them and through them savingly for themselves, but we send them out committing them to God's grace, praying that the principles we've tried to instill in them through our parenting, through the assistance of the church, through the assistance of the Christian school, will make them robust soldiers, robust sons and daughters, to go out and confront a culture that's hostile to their belief system. May God help us. Let's pray. Gracious God, we pray that our children would become saved children, young, and be formed and molded also in their teen years to become robust sons and daughters, not only of the church, but also standing for thy truth in society as gatekeepers. Please help them if they do pursue uh, university education to remain untainted by all the poison they will receive. But do also help them to speak out in different situations where it's needed and where truth is violated in a way that is calm yet earnest and loving and convicting. Please give them wisdom to do that and help us receive wisdom to train our children to do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I